A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. We are, of course, currently covering the case of Stephen Lawrence, who was convicted for the murder of his father in 1992. As mentioned previously, there has been a lot of issues with Steve being able to get access to the phones within his facility, and those problems have continued. The phone system at Steve's facility is very much controlled by the gangs within the prison, and sometimes it is just impossible for Steve to get access to them for weeks at a time. However, we will be hearing from him next week. In the meantime, today is part two of my chat with his former wife and the lady who would be acquitted of the crime that she too was arrested for, the death of multimillionaire Willard Lawrence. Don would hire private investigator Jerry Mattioli just days after the fire to look into who may have killed his father. Steve said the so-called investigation was nothing more than a targeted campaign against him, and Candy says she found this man intimidating from the very start. Yeah, he he was very, very intimidating and scary, and he had eyes that looked literally right through you. I mean, he was kind of creepy and so a matter of fact, and... Everything was just, I don't know, there's something really scary about him. And he wasn't very nice to Steve and he'd say little things and why did you go and you should be not taking off and going somewhere. You should be staying here trying to help us find out who did this and blah, blah, blah. And it was it was really, really terrible. And everything was just too concentrated on why did you go and what about this and what about that and and just, I mean, really being a drill sergeant and really acting as if he was a police officer. And we know we didn't do anything. Hell, we were going in for our lives because we're scared. Yeah. And then uh, to be terrorized by that person was really, really bad. So what was what was the discussions happening between you and Steve while this was all happening? Was he sort of saying to you he was concerned about anything or, you know, were you sort of talking about what was going on? Well, once in a while when he would talk to Don or he would hear someone say, oh, Matty only said this or that, you know, he, he didn't really, if he was really thinking anything terrible immediately, he didn't say too much. But he would say, I mean, I know Steve said to me a few times, I think he's, he's trying to, he, he thinks I did something or whatever. I mean, he was always negative towards Steve, always like trying to like browbeat him and everything. 
Now, like he thinks we knew something more than we didn't. And, you know, I think it was programmed from Don because, I mean, he didn't know us from anybody, you know. It was it was very uncomfortable. It was just kind of like he didn't even want us to go anywhere. And I think we were there that time by ourselves. But if the girls were there, if Judy and Joanne were there, they were downstairs. And they probably would have said, why don't you go downstairs while they're here this time or something. And then we found out that they taped us and all this kind of stuff. And, well, good for you, tape us. I mean, but there wasn't anything to say. But he was, he, he was, he made me very, very nervous. Before Steve and Candy would be arrested by police for the murder of Willard Lawrence, Candy says that Jerry the PI would come by when she was alone with a proposition. Maddie Oli came to our house one day, and I think I was all by myself. And he told me that he wanted me. Now, I don't really know if he meant to wear a wire or that our house was bugged. I already felt our house was bugged for a long time anyway, regardless who did it. But anyway, um, he's kind of saying, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. You could need to talk to Steve and have him confess that he did this and stuff like that, and we won't charge you. And I'm, I started laughing like, well, what do you mean charge me? Because I couldn't do that because I couldn't, I would never lie against my husband, that I couldn't tell him that, oh, he did it because he didn't. Um, he said, well, then, if you can't help us um, arre- get Steve arrested, then we're going to charge you, too. So I said, whatever. And he did. They charged me with it, too. Steve's attorney would call him one day to say that police wanted to speak with him and his wife. She says that, in fact, when police called to say they wanted to talk with them, they said they had some newfound information to share with the couple about Willard's death. Candy and Steve were eager to get there and hear, hopefully, some news as to what the police had found out. Little did they know, this new apparent information had come from PI Jerry Mattioli and implicated Steve and herself in the murder of Willard Lawrence. Steve and Candy are arrested, separated and sent to jail. And I'm assuming you'd never been to jail in your life before that. Uh, no, I have not. Yeah. <laughs> Nor since. <laughs> what was what was that experience like? Oh, it was terrible. Um, I think I never really realized until the fire what anxiety disorder was. But, I mean, it gave me literally anxiety disorder right away because I couldn't even spell. I had to have the pharmacist help me spell 12 to get Jason's ADD pills when you know, in between all the stuff was going on. Uh, so anyway, here I am. I'm, and, and you kind of withdraw. I mean, really, you're in so much shock that I, I almost didn't really think it was happening. I mean, it was just like it was someone else's body. I think I was in there like 12 days. And, uh, you know, it's just a bunch of girls sitting around complaining about this and that and all the reasons they were in there. And no one really ever asked me any questions or anything, but obviously watch the news every night, you know, so... They already knew I was, that was me. Yeah. And it was a very, very horrible feeling. It's not a good thing. So obviously, unlike Steve, eventually you were able to bond out. It took quite a while to come up with all that much money. My mom and my grandma helped me get out of there. But thank God I finally got uh, to get out of there for a while because my trial wasn't for until his was over with, you know. The elation of being out was soon overtaken by sadness and fear when she tried to pick up her kids from school and they would appear to be terrified of her. As Steve had already mentioned to me, his brother Don and Jerry Mattioli had apparently been conducting some sort of bizarre interrogations on the kids. Now both Candy and I are in the Barry County Jail 
and because of that, you know, and, and say we haven't had a prelim or anything like that yet. And so our boys went to stay at my brother Don's house. And while they were there, Jerry and Don, but mostly Jerry, would put them under bright lights at night and would not let them go to bed until they said that their mom and dad are killers. And they did this night night after night. Yeah, the boys told us that um, uh, that Don and, and Jerry were making them stay up till like one or two in the morning and they wouldn't let them sleep. And they were like doing like this stupid movement with a pencil in their hand, kind of like Jace. Jamie said, I think they were hypnotizing us. And they were telling us this and this and this and that you and dad did that. And, and you know, they know we, we lived there next door for a long time. They knew that we loved each other very, very much. And that, that wasn't the case. But yeah, they, they, uh, Jason, whatever they told Jason, they had him so scared that I literally had to beg him to come home with me when I went the first days and pick him up at school when I got home. Now, come on, how can you do that to a kid? Does he, does he still remember that now? I, I'm pretty sure they do. Both of the boys do. Jamie does, especially. Yep. I mean, they, they said, Mom, we were, we were scared. And, you know, I, I told them before they were going to go stay with Don for however long they took us away. You guys remember what I told you. And, and you know what? That was just like always be good, respectful and everything. And they always said, oh, well, there was something more to that. What, what do you mean? You know, so, but they were well-behaved kids and they would have never caused any trouble, but it was, it was really, really terrible for the boys. Now reunited with her boys, it was time to prepare for Steve's trial. And Candy says that she was very much involved in every aspect of it. Yes, I was involved in everything. I sat at the table with them. Um, I got to have lots and lots of input in everything. It was great, actually. I mean, as my husband, just in case something happened or someone would forget something or I would say, no, that wasn't that, it was this. It was, it was really a good thing, you know. So it was, it was creepy. And uh, I, I was just glad that I got to be part of that. You know, going through all of that, did you still feel that the truth would sort of come out and it would all be okay? I really thought it would because, I mean, he didn't, he didn't do it. I don't, I, we just didn't know anything. And I really couldn't believe that really innocent people went away. But then when I saw the brother lie, the other brother lie, this person not tell the truth. I mean, the police and the fire people didn't even tell the truth. And then there was some video of supposedly they showed Steve walking by a fire truck. That's just that old neighbor on the other road. That wasn't even Steve. Oh, look at his demeanor. And I'm, I just, I couldn't believe they didn't make an issue of that because that was Mr. Becker who lived on Shady Lane, not Steve. I mean, th- there were so many things that were wrong. This moment here took me completely by surprise because in the lead up to interviewing Steve about his story, I would watch a special report done on this crime. It's one we've been referring to through a large portion of this story. But first, our lead story. Steve Lawrence was a rich kid. He lived in the same resort community as his father. But then an arsonist started terrorizing the neighborhood. And before it was over, Steve's dad was dead. Guess who did it? Craig Rivera with details. During this special report, they themselves play a bit of video footage 
which they say captures Steve that night watching as his father's home burns. When he was killed in the tragic fire that night at his Elmwood Beach home, a fire set by an arsonist. This dramatic video shows Willa's youngest son, Stephen, at the scene of the fire, watching his father's house go up in flames, with his father trapped inside. These actions that night would raise suspicions with investigators and drive a wedge through his family. And as you hear there, they use that to depict a man who was seemingly oddly very calm about what he was watching. I even brought it up with Steve in one of our conversations. Also, I mean, there, there's also another thing that's, you know, they, they focus on. There's a very brief moment where you're caught on video sort of standing in front of a fire truck and, you know, they make claims that you were far too calm for someone whose father was, you know, just been killed in a fire. Well, it definitely wasn't a calm evening. It was very, very scary and, and, and shock. I don't know if you can really describe her. I can, what it's like. I mean, it was it was horrible. It was horrible for my kids to watch. You know, I was worried about them, you know, with seeing that and going through that in their life. And it was, uh, there was not a, a anything being calm or anything. It was total disbelief and, and just... It was terrible. Steve had told me that he'd never really seen this TV special, but Candy most certainly had. And she says the man in that video footage, the one looking on as Willard's home burns, is not Steve. It is, in fact, one of their neighbours. When you say they show a video of Steve, is that the video that they show on that special, the TV special, where they say, you know, um, Steve yeah. can, be, can, can be seen yeah. here? Yes. It so that, not that's Steve not even him. He's really tall. No, 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 it's not. It's, it's a guy who's 20 years older than us. It, and it never, no one ever made an issue out of it or anything. I was watching that. I've watched that special, obviously. And, and um, you know, obviously we're talking to Steve. I watched through that special to see the claims that were being made yeah. against him. Mm-hmm. And they, they point yep. out, you know, he, Steve can be seen here with his fire, you know, acting casual and yep. relaxed about the whole thing. And that, that's not even him. Mm-hmm. It's not even him. It's a neighbour down the road around the corner. That's blown my mind. I had no idea. Yep. No, that wasn't him. I mean, when my mom and I and or whoever I watched it with the first time, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Someone said, that's not even Steve. And I looked and I went, oh, my God. I, Yeah, I mean, but everything was so obviously wrong. There were so many things that were that obvious that it was just it was just pathetic, you know. I mean, so many things are just mind-boggling. It's 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 really amazing. I, I'm surprised that he's even cared he's alive after 30 years. I mean, it's such such a horrible, horrible thing. I'm proud of him for hanging in there and praying and all the good things that maybe will happen someday. I mean, he's going to be 70 in two years, and he hasn't even had a life. Imagine sitting in a courtroom next to your partner, someone you've known and loved since you were 15. They're on trial for a crime you know they didn't commit. Time and again, you sit there and watch and listen as people get up and say things that aren't true. A video is in fact played to the jury and they're told it's your partner looking cold and disconnected as they watch their father's home burn. And you know, that's not him. But no one objects. You would likely want to shout out and fight against the lies, but you can't. You're told, as always, to say nothing. Let the lawyers handle this. They know what they're doing. It was it was really, really hard. And 
the attorney kept saying, you guys are going to have your turn. You're just going to have your turn. You just have to wait. Don't trust me. Don't think. I didn't gasp a few times or something like that. Like, oh, my God, you're kidding me. But I was supposed to be really conservative, not wear too bright of colors and do all those kind of things that you're not supposed to do. I mean, I tried to do the best I could, but it was really, really devastating. It was really devastating. And then during his trial, I would go to lunch with my aunt and uncle once in a while. And this couple um, looked right at us and says, I can't believe they let those kind of people in here. And, and my aunt wouldn't even swear if her mouth was full of anything. Or, I mean, she never cussed. And she was just ready to just wham on those people because, what do you mean those kind of people aren't, shouldn't be welcome here? I mean, people were so judgmental and, you know, how people are, you know. Oh, my gosh, this is so terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just terrible. It was terrible. I had people key my jurors' cars during my trial. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, I hope that doesn't get held against me. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Speaking of being scared to death, I mean, obviously, you know, Steve is found guilty. You're there for that guilty verdict. Not only would have that been Mm -hmm. horrendous for you to, you know, see your husband being found guilty of this crime that you knew he hadn't done, but surely then in your mind that yep. goes, you've still got a trial yet to come. And if Steve's been found guilty, then yep. you must have been freaking out that that meant that uh, you were going to get the same uh, thing. I was very, very worried about that because, I mean, my kids were, I'm just, I can't even remember if they're eight and 10 years old or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, it was, it was horrible. I, I worried about that every single solitary day. You know, it was, yeah, that was, it was really, really bad. By the sounds of it, from what Steve tells me, I mean, your attorney was far more aggressive and um, willing to sort of call people out and question people on things and, and really sort of yep. a- attack them for certain parts of their story. Absolutely. But here's the best part. The best part, I was very, very lucky because Steve let Mattioli and Don choose his attorney, right? 
which is mind-boggling by itself. Yeah. They chose one for me, too, and guess what? That was not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, saw I, what happened there. Yeah, I said, I mean, I did say to Steve, I mean, because he said, you know, Maddie Oli drove me out to this attorney, and I sort of said, as soon as you thought they were against you, did, you know, why, why didn't you get rid of this attorney? And he said, I, I don't know. I don't. Well, you're scared to death. You don't know what to think. And, and between anxiety, depression, fear, I mean, we, it was really hard to think about anything, let alone not trust somebody for choosing an attorney for you. And he did supposedly have a really good reputation of being a really good criminal deter- attorney and everything. But, no, I wasn't going to let them. I, I fired my guy right away. That was not happening to me. Now it was Candy's turn to face a courtroom. She wouldn't be facing the same charge as Steve. However, she would be looking at an accessory charge, which, if found guilty, would itself come with a hefty sentence. Yeah, they thought that if I would have told, I was hiding the truth so I, he wouldn't get in trouble. And, and basically what, what they needed so, to do in that trial in order to get a conviction against you was to convince the jury that your husband had killed his father because if your husband had killed his father, then there's, you must have known about it. There's no way he could have done that without you knowing about it. Essentially, Steve was kind of on trial again. Yes. That's what Terry did. He he said, the only way I can prove your innocence, Candy, is I have to do Steve's trial like it's never been done before and do it. And they found him innocent. That's got to be a really double-edged sword there because, you know, you've got a, a jury, essentially, another jury saying that, well, they don't believe Steve to be guilty, which means mm-hmm. it, that means that you're innocent and that you are found not guilty, which is obviously a huge relief and... That's that's great news, but at yep. the same token, there's that frustration there that if Steve had had a different attorney, he wouldn't have been found guilty. Yep. No, and three of his jurors said if Steve wouldn't have taken the stand, they would have let him go home. He would have been acquitted. And it was because he couldn't. He took so many of those pills that he couldn't really think. And, and then, I don't want him to get mad at me for saying so, but he, he took, like, he saved, like, three or four of those Xanax or whatever he had, so he would be real calm on the stand, and he took them all in one that morning that he took the stand. You can't even smile, let alone talk. This again here is news to me, what Candy is saying. Steve has, of course, told me that during this whole ordeal, he had been taking medication and had been, in fact, taking Xanax to help him with the stress and anxiety of everything. However, Candy is saying that on the day that he took the stand to give his testimony, he would take three Xanax tablets. I even said that to a newspaper reporter that that medication really screwed him up. You, your emotions are gone. Your memory's gone. I mean, I don't know if he shaved extra or if his mustache was gone or because he hadn't been in the sun for so many months. He looked sick. He, he did not look like himself that day. So, I mean, he couldn't show much emotion or anything because he, was, he shouldn't have taken those. For anyone who is unfamiliar with the drug Xanax, it's most commonly prescribed to those with anxiety or panic disorders. This drug has a sedating effect and can be helpful for those suffering from anxiety symptoms and calm your body's response to stress. However, take too much or a higher dosage than prescribed and the side effects can include difficulty speaking, decreased mental alertness, poor coordination, and confusion. Not exactly what you want to be experiencing when taking the stand to give evidence in your own murder trial. 
Nonetheless, you can understand why Steve might have thought this would help him remain calm and able to answer the questions asked of him that day. The issue is, he took too much. Candy says that his demeanour on the stand after that did not look favourable to the jury. Did you testify in your trial? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Actually, his, his attorney wanted me to take it in the beginning, and then my attorney said, if you take it, then they'll have all the questions they already want to ask you. And I kept thinking, well, I, won't, you know, I wouldn't care. If, if, I, if I could do it again, maybe I would have taken the stand on his because maybe if I could have answered all those questions, uh, he would have got acquitted. I, I don't know, but I did. I was not going to not take it for me. And I took it and I told the truth and thank God they acquitted me. Candy would testify in her own trial and Steve and his attorney wanted her to do the same in his. However, her attorney advises her against doing so because this would essentially give the prosecution the chance to hear her answers and work on how they would combat them or possibly even try and trip her up in her own trial. If she says nothing, they have nothing. Then when it comes to her trial, she goes in fresh, with the prosecution unable to prepare for what they already know her answers will be. I was torn between something my husband wanted me to, to do and something that my attorney said, Candy, I mean, you're, you, you want your kids to be without both of you? And I said, absolutely not. And uh, first of all, Terry was amazing. I mean, he was a go-getter. He wasn't going to put up with that same stuff, get walked on and everything, you know. And it's really sad that during the trial, all the attorneys would talk if there was a little break and everything. And, and, and that really upset my family. Well, what is he doing over there with a the prosecutor, touching his shoulder, laughing, ha, 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 how was that dinner? And his family had uh, dinner with the, or lunch with the judge's wife. I mean, just too, too many things were totally against the government thing. You say that Steve wanted you, to, wanted you to take the stand in his trial. Was there any sort of animosity between the two of you when you said you, you wouldn't be taking the stand? No. No. He just, I he just understood. said, I, we just have to believe that that's right. Oh, no. He said together, I mean, without us being together, he knew that that was going to be, he was going to be found guilty. But I don't know. I just, I mean, I feel bad when I think about that. I, I might have made the difference and I might have not have, you know. And at the same token, it could have been the know. difference between you going to prison and your kids having no parents, you know. So I think any yep. any any parents as a team, like I know if it was me in that situation, it was me and my wife, and they said, well, it's a 50-50 chance that either your wife will help you get home or you'll be, both be going to prison and your kids will be yep. out without uh, a parent. I'd say do not get up yep. on that stand. I mean, I'll, I will go and do the time. And, right. You know, the children needed one yep. of the, one of us. Yep, I wasn't going to do it. But what a, what an absolutely awful decision to have to make, Candy. It was, and yeah, it, it's. I mean, we're we're still suffering in our own little ways right now, and it's been thirty one years. You know. Yeah. The kids are just like I told you, not trusting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they they've obviously had it pretty tough. Yep. But they'll tell me right now they are who they are because of all the unfortunate things they've been through, which is a miracle. Those things come out of their mouth, you know? Yeah. Did you ever have any contact with Don or Dick or any of the other kids, you know, from the family after all of this happened? No. And actually, after, not since the trials were over with, but when we still lived at the house, I mean, they would try to corner the boys when they go take trash across the street and everything. 
I just wish they would have given them twenty dollars because we were starving to death. You know, we didn't have the money. But um, no, we we made it somehow. And but no, I don't think they've ever even contacted us at all. But I mean, when it comes to Willard's estate after he passed away, um, wouldn't have wouldn't have uh-huh. your, wouldn't your boys have been eligible for maybe not you and and Steve, but I would have thought your boy your boys right. may have been eligible at, at some age, maybe not when they were still kids. Oh, they and they did eventually. Um, get some of the the trust money, yeah. but uh, those guys were going to make sure that I didn't get a penny. Yeah, and they would pay like two thirds of the rent and two thirds of food and everything like that. So I had to work so I could pay for my share, and that left the boys home a lot of times when they shouldn't have. And but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a sad thing. Not they nobody made anything easy for us. That's for sure. Yeah. So I mean, obviously you've remained in Steve's life, um, you know, ever since this happened. Yes. I, I know you guys are, are no longer obviously together, together in a sort of marriage mm-hmm. se- marriage sense. It's mm-hmm. obviously hard for him having to watch you and the boys sort of carry on your lives outside there. And how do you cope with it all? Uh, my husband died three years ago when I moved back down to be with my family. So I see them a couple times a month for sure. And I help take care of my mom. So, I mean, I've got somebody in my life. And my dog, that's my, that's my life, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, this believe in God is the best thing that I have going for me, you know. Otherwise, I, I wouldn't have made it because as soon as, I think, I think it was right after my trial was over, when one of my friends came over and I was sitting in the corner. And she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I just can't do this anymore. I mean, I just can't do it anymore. And she convinced me that if I had a nervous breakdown or did something else terrible, which I wouldn't because I was raised Catholic, but that they would win and I wasn't going to let them win after all the stuff they'd already taken away from us. So it's going to be okay. Mama, I'll... You have one minute remaining. I want to, of course, say a big thank you to Candy for taking some time to sit with me and relive this experience from her perspective. And of course, as I've mentioned, next week we will be back with Stephen Lawrence to finish his story. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production, created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of ESA. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.